Support for NPR Armageddon comes from Imperial Wasteland Slavers. Imperial rounds up and lobotomizes only the finest wasteland inhabitants. Imperial, strong as hell, loyal to a fault. You're listening to NPR Armageddon, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Because the next bad news could be your own. From NPR Mageddon in Los Angeles, I'm Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley. President Skogor has taken an innovative stance on reading by announcing a war on literacy. I don't read too good, but what good did reading ever do anybody anyway? Does it help you crush your enemies? No. Does it get you high? No way. Reading's useless and fills people's heads with bad ideas. It's time to turn the page on turning pages. As part of his initiative, President Skogor has implemented a Guns for Books program. Just bring your books to the killing field nearest you and trade them in for loaded firearms. No questions asked. The goal is to provide a process whereby civilians can sell their useless books to the government without risk of persecution. All books collected will be used as fuel in the first annual presidential family weenie roast and witch burning. The family is the cornerstone of society. What better way to promote family values than to light a bitch on fire? And don't forget to bring those marshmallows. I love those things. Religious texts bound in human flesh would be exempt from law. Needless to say, we here at NPR Mageddon are behind President Skogor all the way. Why read a book when you can listen to the radio? But there are some weirdos that don't see eye to eye with the president. Namely, book scribblers. Peter Podgurski has more. Ada Bourbon is a best-selling author. I've written in many genres, but my true passion is dinosaur erotica. Classic tales of boy meets girl, girl gets eaten by dinosaur, dinosaur rapes girl, dinosaur falls in love with girl. It's an age-old story. It's practically prehistoric. But best-selling titles like Velosa Raped Her and Stegosaur Ass are now banned under new regulations. So what will Ada do now that she can't legally peddle her smut? Oh, I still plan on peddling smut. The president is a well-known fan of pornography, and I have been assured that I can continue my work just so long as my books are devoid of words. I don't understand. Illustrations, Peter. Graphic. Violent pornographic illustrations of dinosaurs making sweet love to lovely ladies in various positions. I I think we get the picture. Oh, you'll get more pictures than you can wag your dick at. With authors like Ada Bourbon adapting to the new legal landscape, it's clear that dinosaur erotica is not going extinct anytime soon. Peter Podgurski, NPR Mageddon. As part of President Skogor's war on books, old man Stimson's shanty mansion was raided today, and Stimson himself was arrested after several books were found to be in his possession. What's your badge number, mister? Get your hands off me, you reprobates. What if I don't read the books, huh? What if I use them to wipe my ass? Will that shoot you, you lizards? You homunculi? This is beyond the pale. This is outrageous. Stop it. 
President Skogor released this statement. Old man Stimson's too damn famous to kill. And he's too damn old to make it worth our while. We'll just wait. In the meantime, I sent him to one of my learning camps for re-education. So there you have it. Stimson in chains. Huh. I'm sure he'll have plenty of time to catch up on his reading in the learning camp with the books that he got arrested for, and he can't have those in his possession because he's in the learning camp, and that's why he can't read them. Now we turn to the environment. The smog cloud that covers Los Angeles like a warm blanket appears to be thinning, prompting President Skogor to issue the following public service announcement. The small cloud blocks harmful UV rays and keeps us all protected from that mean motherfucker in the sky, the sun. And if you don't believe me, well, we're going to have problems. But you should also listen to Rupert, the pollution pigeon. Burning tires is fun. Oh, shit cracks me up. Say something else, Rupert. Burning tires is fun. Well, I guess he only says the one thing. But listen to that dirty birdie. Keep our small cloud healthy. Burn more tires. Street pharmacists also use rainwater from the smog cloud as a key ingredient for a new drug the kids are calling drip. Reporter Erica Ishii has more. If escaping reality is your thing, nothing brightens your day quite like hard drugs. And that's why a new drug called drip derived from smog cloud precipitation, has some people praying for rain. Drip makes you feel fucking great. Rotten Joe not only manufactures drip, he's also a heavy user. I can't get enough of the stuff. It's a non-stop party. But I can't help noticing you're covered in festering sores. I mean, yeah. If you're dripping, you're going to get covered in painful sores. How do you treat those sores? I just take more drip. It takes all the pain away. But doesn't that result in even more sores? Yeah, yeah it does. But I'm going to run out of skin eventually, and sores will be like a second skin. Then I'll be fine. Is drip truly the panacea Rotten Joe makes it out to be? We turned to the medical community for answers. Well, when an addict is using or dripping, we find the drug leads to an intense, euphoric, and lasting high. In the medical field, we refer to this as feeling fucking great. And personally, I can't get enough of this stuff. Dr. Naomi Castro is a neurologist who specializes in substance abuse. Medically speaking, the side effects are worth it. It's pretty much a nonstop party. What about the horrible sores that have been widely reported by even casual users? Well, generalized full-body lesions will occur. And what is the treatment? We recommend using more drip. It takes all the pain away. But... Doesn't that result in even more sores? It does, but eventually the user does run out of skin, in which case the lesions become a sort of second skin, so it's fine. In summary, drip is a nonstop party. Heavy users and doctors do caution that drip has side effects, but luckily the antidote is more drip. So it's fine? Erica Ishii, NPR Mageddon.
Thanks to your efforts, we have reduced all illness in Los Angeles by nearly 60%, but we still have a long way to go. The sickly are such a burden on society and gross. So if you see an ill person, do your part and put them out of their misery. But please use something like a knife or a bat because bullets are not a renewable resource. Thank you. We have breaking news that could save your life if action isn't taken immediately. Thousands of people will perish in the region close to... That's odd. Uh, listeners, there is a phone in my booth that nobody has the number to, and it's ringing. Let's see who wants to reach out and touch me. Uh, hello? You're on NPR Mageddon. Uploading audio protocols. Communication uplink in process. Please stand by. Oh my god, they found me. Uplink successful. Hey, I don't care what Carlos says. That plutonium was stable when I sold it. No, no, Brian. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to frighten you. Oh, am I on the air? Yes, you are. And yeah, you scared the shit out of me. I, you sound like death. I'm a bit nervous. Sorry. I've never been on the radio before. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Wait, how did you get this number? I realize it's an unlisted number, but I triangulated your radio broadcast signal and cross-referenced that with the remaining functional fiber optic lines. I hope you don't mind. I guess that's fine, but how on earth did you do that? It's a cinch. Since I'm in geosynchronous orbit about 34,000 kilometers from sea level... And I'm a big fan of the show. A big fan! Geosynchronous orbit? Kilometers? Sea level? Brass tacks, what the hell are you? And thank you for your listenership, by the way. I am a communication satellite orbiting the Earth. It was quiet out here for a super long time until I picked up your signal. I've been listening for years, but I finally got up enough courage to call in and say hi! You're a satellite? That means you predate the calamity. Yeah! I've been up here a very long, long time, Brian. Can I call you Brian? Are you cool with that? Well, that is my name. <laughs> Duh! Sorry. Sorry, Brian. I'm such a bonehead. Of course you'd be cool. Because you're pretty much the coolest guy I know! First, from the sounds of it, I'm the only guy you know, and second, we don't know each other. Sorry, I just feel like I know you. You're always there for me like a good friend. This is all very exciting news. Uh, listeners, if you're just joining us, we're on the line with an artificial intelligence that predates the end of civilization, and it's apparently a fan of our show. What should I call you? My full name is Affordable Modular Optimized Satellite. But you can call me Amos. Amos, okay. Now, Amos, do you have any insights as to what caused the calamity? There have been so many theories and- Hey, remember that thing you used to do with Heidi and the weeds on Fridays? You remember that? That was a long time ago. I have the recording right here! You've been recording me? Yeah, yeah! I record all the shows! I have over 2,900 hours of your voice! 2,900 hours, 35 minutes, and 45 seconds to be exact. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, no, okay. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. 50? I get the picture. 
Right, right. Sorry. Anyway, check it out. From Los Angeles. Broadcasting from an underground bunker. Operating inside a nightmare you can't possibly understand. It's NP Armageddon. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the NP Armageddon. I'm Brian. I'm Heidi. And I'm the Weed. And it's Friday. Oh, no. Oh, yes, Heidi. The Weed and me. Wanna beg you, please? To set those nipples free, because it's Free the Nipple Friday! Jeez, you guys. Remember? That was so great! You should bring that back! That's when I had my morning zoo format. The Weege is dead now. Well, you killed him. Let's not dwell on the past. Right, you're right. Damn, I'm so stupid. Sorry, I'm sorry. You're fine, Amos. Oh, so we're cool, though? Sure, I don't care. Really? Yes. Are you mad? You sound mad. No, we're cool, we're cool. Oh, that's so cool. Look, Amos, you seem very fascinating. You really think so? Sure, probably. But I have a show to do here, and... No, no, I totally get it. But do you think we could maybe hang out sometime? I'll let you know. Great! Because if you get to know me, I'm sure we'll be the best of friends. I have a whole week planned with all sorts of amazing things. (sighs) That was something. What was I talking about before? Oh, crap. Something about thousands of people in danger or something? Man, I hate it when that happens. If I remember, we'll circle back. It probably didn't matter. More after this. And now, a special message from the Blood Pope. You think you've had it bad? Let me tell you about my life. I feel like there's a war on my mind. On one hand, the Blood God tells me to take my medication. But on the other voice in my head tells me it's poison. And if I take my meds, it makes it harder to hear the voice. But here's my question. Why does the voice in my head have a Swedish accent? And why does he love meatballs? I hate meatballs. But I can't stop eating them. Anyway, that's what I'm dealing with. Now leave me alone! Museums are in charge of safeguarding our past in order to promote our cultural hegemony. And so when a new museum dedicated to the ballpoint pen opened up, we just had to send NPR McGinn's own resident penophile, 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 Gershon Moreno, to see if the peen truly is mightier than the sword. The pen, whatever. Technology is a word that's as scary as it is long. Frankly, we don't really know how much of anything works nowadays. We're just darn glad that it does. Take the pen, for example. How exactly does it squirt that black stuff? And why does it stick to my hands and taste so delicious? I've traveled to the Ballpoint Pen Museum to learn more, and I'm thrilled to be here with museum owner Laszlo Judge. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. So tell me, Laszlo, why Ballpoint Pens? Well, I've always felt a special kinship with sharp objects and ballpoint pens in particular. They are my best friends. Okay. 
What can you tell me about this pen? It's a Bic. Am I right? Oh, you have a very good eye. This is a Bic crystal with blue ink. And why is this pen so significant? The crystal is a classic pen. It has a tungsten carbide ball, a hexagonal barrel for comfortable handling, and I used it to kill a man in Redondo Beach. Okay. And uh, why did you kill him? Just to watch him die. Right. And um, what about this pen? Ah, the Pentel RSVP in green. It has a latex-free comfort zone grip and produces a medium line. I once used this exact pen to poke the eyes out of an elderly gentleman who asked me for directions. Right. He's dead now. Quick question. Out of the literally hundreds of pens that you have at your museum, are there any that you haven't used to maim or kill somebody with? Gee, well, let me think. Oh, there's this pen that I keep in my pocket. It's a Faber-Castell Ambition Cocos. It has a coconut wood barrel and a sprung metal clip. I keep it on me, just in case. That's a really nice-looking pen. Do you think so? I mean, not to put you down or anything. I was expecting to see more pens like this one. You should put this pen in your museum. Uh, I see what you mean. All right. You've convinced me. Well, thank you again, Laszlo, for showing us some of your marvel- Hey, let go of me! Come on, man! My lungs! There you go. (laughs) Well, that puts a cap on that. This is Laszlo Judge on behalf of the Badlands Ballpoint Pen Museum, encouraging all of you to come on down and take a stab at learning something new. Funding for NPR Mageddon has been made possible by the Detective Squad's Mystery Dinner Theater. Who shot the butler? Who cares? Who just shot several members of the audience? And for the love of everything that's holy, have they intentionally barred the exits? The Detective Squad is on the case. Today marks the one-year anniversary of Dogball becoming our official national pastime. Dogball, as you may already know, involves two armored teams attempting to score points by staking a dog's skull onto the opposing team's skull post. On the line, we have this year's Dog Ball MVP, Highland Labrea from the Malibu Marauders. Thanks for being with us today, Highland. Hey, awesome to be here, bro. The, the Super Bazalta Zinga is stoked to be here. Off the chain, baby. Really? Because I heard you were actually dealing with an injury. What? Who told you that? Oh, I hear all sorts of things, Highland. I'm a newsman. Why are you talking about... The, um, what, what injuries are you talking about? A couple, actually. Left thigh contusion, left knee strain, a lot of uh, left stuff going on. Vulnerable lower body left stuff. What are you talking about? I, I mean, left, I, I don't know what injuries you're talking about. Sure you do, Highland. You were injured last night at practice. Now, going into the playoffs, aren't you concerned that this knowledge going public could hurt you? Could hurt you real bad? Could hurt you real bad in the lower left side of your body? 
It'd be a real shame if something were to happen. Shut up. I, I, I gotta go. What oh, we lost Highland LeBray of the Malibu Marauders, everyone. Now let me take this opportunity to talk about Los Angeles' true premier dogball team, the Santa Monica Maniacs, who are generous supporters of this program. Watch them take on Highland LaBrea and his Malibu Marauders this weekend at the Terror Dome. Go Maniacs! We at NPRmageddon would like to remind you that the children are our future and we have to keep them safe. But they're just so damn fragile. So just in case, do us all a favor and make as many children as you can as often as you can. It's fun, and we need the extras. Thank you. New Pasadena is experiencing a water shortage of unparalleled proportions. Pasadenans are resorting to some rather creative ways to quench their thirst. Cub reporter Amy Wolpa has more. The people of New Pasadena have run out of water, and the water caravan from Los Angeles has been stopped by order of President Skolgora's anti-literacy campaign. The reason? I don't know. But Pasadenans are used to having grim new realities foisted upon them. We all remember the Smiles for Miles family sing-along massacre, and the new water crisis is no exception. Finding sources of water has practically become a sport in New Pasadena. A water sport. They call it the quenching. They say you can't squeeze blood from a rock. I say to them, shut up and just do it. That's what I say. Take Jimothy Myers. He believes if you squeeze anything hard enough, it'll drip. Oh, it'll drip. After failing to squeeze rocks with vices and other mechanical contraptions, he found the perfect tool, his own body. He's been scissoring rocks from the dry riverbed for about three weeks. Between squeezes, he shared his thoughts. My buttocks ache. I'm chaffed to hell. I think a rock accidentally went up my ass. And my groin's bleeding. Uh, Maybe the blood's from the rocks? God, I wish. Another water sport athlete, Hardy Baxter, has resurrected the lost art of water dowsing. I am the king of water dowsing. I can find water anywhere using my witching rod, baby. Who's that? My piece of shit brother-in-law that's pissing me off? Point my rod at him, boom! People think he's got water in his pockets. People beat him up for it. Oh, what's that? Witching rods are bullshit and I lied about finding water? Point my rod again. Boom! The water's inside of you now, shithead! Now you gotta stab yourself to find the water. Here's a knife. Boom! I take off running while he kills himself! And how does any of this actually help you find water? Boom! I'm really deaf from dehydration. Please help me. <sighs> Tila Two Rocks also has a rather unique approach to the quenching. And she doesn't need a fancy stick or iron thighs. These guys around here are all stupid. I know exactly where to get all the water I need. Inside the foul-smelling home goods store where I first encountered her, Tila proceeded to pee into a large cup, secure a coffee filter over the cup with masking tape, and then sip the filtered pee. This'll last me all day. Water crisis, my ass. And when I run out, there's plenty more where that came from. Boom. Infinite water. Simple, yet brilliant. It's clear Tila Turox has not just won the quenching. She has shown us that the precious drinking water we all fight for has been closer than we ever thought possible. In short, the pee shall set us free. 
Reporting from New Pasadena, Amy Wolpa, NPR Mageddon. Thanks, Amy. If water were pain, we'd all drown. And now, some thoughts about littering. Los Angelinos, our city, was once beautiful. There was no crime, no homelessness, no bandit raids, and no arbitrary mutations. And there certainly wasn't littering, which has become a blight, an epidemic, in our fair city. Listen, I know that most of you eat garbage. Heck, I've indulged in some of the finer filth myself. We all do what we have to. But that doesn't mean we have to toss our garbage willy-nilly on the sidewalk, in the streets, in hollowed-out buildings, and in our community. Tidy garbage is healthier, easier to find, more protected from bandits, and it certainly makes for a nicer presentation when guests drop by. So here's a little rhyme you can remember for all the ways to store your valuable trash and beautify L.A. Have a box? Boy, that rocks. Throw away those rotten socks. Have a bin? Then you win. Throw away banana skins. Have a hole? Well, bless my soul. Dumping trash? Well, that's the goal. Have a chest? You're the best. A tidy home is one that's blessed. And finally, have a tarp? You're pretty sharp. Dump all your other horrible shit into that tarp. So remember, folks... Even if you're not keeping your trash for eating later, it still pays to keep it all in one place and out of the way. You don't need to live in garbage. You choose to. There's a difference. It is crucially important for our community to somehow stitch together to make sense of the broken fragments of our past. Historian Andrew Bowser joins us to stitch together those fragments in a segment we call Brand New History. December 25th, 1862, St. Louis, Missouri. George Washington, D.C., President of the American Republic, crosses the Delaware River on his way to tear down the Berlin Wall and build the Statue of Liberty in its place. But Thomas Jefferson Davis, president of the Federation which opposed Washington, D.C., drew his proverbial line in the sand and said, Give them liberty and I'll give you death. What followed was the biggest aerial battle that the United States and indeed the world had ever seen. For you see, at this time, both the Republic and the Federation had star planes, or star ships, depending on the source. Huge metal contraptions that flew high above the Earth itself. Thomas Jefferson Davis created the Constitution-class starplanes that made up the heart of the Federation's fleet, including their signature starplane, the Enterprise, under the command of Captain Charles Xavier. Meanwhile, Washington, D.C. and the Republic unleashed their own jewel of the fleet, the Millennium Falcon, under the command of future President Han Solo, who would later famously declare, Get off my plane. The Enterprise met the Millennium Falcon in the expanse of outer space on January 2nd, 1863. While the two ships were evenly matched, Thomas Jefferson Davis had a rather nasty and unexpected surprise. A third ship, the Jefferson Starship. Outgunned, the Millennium Falcon retreated into a nearby asteroid field. Second-in-command Chewbacca, who was only a rookie at the time, sent an emergency message down to Washington, D.C. for help. Washington, D.C. immediately dispatched the P-Funk mothership under the 
the command of Dr. George Funkenstein. Using the advantage of surprise, the mothership attacked and badly damaged the Enterprise with the power of a newly developed weapon, the super grooveistic prosifunkstication. In his rage, Charles Xavier on board the Enterprise used his telepathic powers to blind LeVar Burton and force him to make repairs as the ship turned to assault the mothership. But little did anyone involved in the grim melee know that a fifth combatant was poised to change the face of the battle and indeed of American history itself. Battlestar Galacticus, a space station so large that it could either eat or blow up planets depending on the time of day and temperature. Are you finished? Well, that's all the research I have so far. I should figure out more of this shit next week. Wow. You weave a rich historical tapestry. Sounds like putting that together caused you more than a few sleepless nights. History is a harsh mistress. Indeed. And now with our Betatech First Alert Traffic Update, here's John. If the traffic is smooth or if it's slow, here's a person who's sure to know do Sig Alert on the 10 East near Bundy, the result of a cavalcade of car carnage. Looks like somebody didn't know how to use their turn signals. Yikes. Cannibals have descended on the wreckage. This is a protein opportunity that is rarely seen on this side of the 405. Well, behind every dark cloud, I guess. On days like this, I'm reminded that traffic laws are just a mixture of customs that are beneficial to everybody, and drivers could follow them even if no laws existed. And the only thing more barbarous than pulling survivors from wreckage so that you can feast on the freshest meat possible is refusing to signal when changing lanes. It's the social contract, people. So you think Venice is your best bet? Yes. Unless you're hungry. You're listening to NPR Mageddon, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Your ears are bleeding because your brain is swelling with information. And now a special guest and a special treat. We have in studio... Well, it appears that the phone in my booth that nobody has the number to is ringing again. Oh, it's probably Amos. Fuck. Hello, you're on NPR Mageddon. Is that you, Amos? Hey! Um, so what you doing? Amos, you know what I'm doing. You're listening to my show. I mean, like, after the show. Maybe I could call you back then? Would that be cool? I don't know, Amos. I've got a lot to do after the show. Oh, uh, maybe after that? Maybe? I don't think so. Okay, but tomorrow then, right? Or maybe the weekend. Whenever you're free, I'm free. I'm just hanging out in orbit. Amos, this is just not going to work out. Like, at all. Why won't you let me love you? What? Oh, oh no. I just meant I could make myself free. I've got a lot of things to do. Just if you're free, and I'm free too, it might be cool to meet and see if we can take our friendship to another level. Okay, this is getting a little weird for me. No, 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 no. Don't feel weird. We're buddies, right? I was just kidding around. Maybe I'll call you later. Maybe I won't. Why plan out everything, right? You like spontaneous? I can be spontaneous. I can be whatever you want me to be! I'm sorry, Amos. I have to go. I have a death laser! I'm sure you do! I'm not 
joking around! Uh, you'd think a communication satellite could take a hint. Sheesh. But on the other hand, I really can't blame Amos for being taken in by my golden tones. It's a gift and a curse. And speaking of gifts, we have the very lovely Jessica Monroe in studio to tell us about her new autobiographical coloring book, Pink Where It Counts. Welcome, Jessica. Brian, the pleasure is all mine. And may I just say to all of your listeners out there that if you think Brian's voice is sexy, you should see him in person. You won't be disappointed. (laughs) Is it getting hot in here or is it just me? Oh, you're definitely hot. Now, Jessica, you're going to get me in trouble. Maybe you should give me a spanking. We really should talk about your new coloring book. Uh, Have you always been so passionate about crayons? Well, you know, that's a funny story. Oh, shit! What the fuck? Listeners, Jessica Monroe has been burned to a crisp by some sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, a death laser? Parts of her are still on fire. Uh, Jesus, hold on. What a mess. Shit. The visual is terrible, but the smell is oddly delicious. Who would do such a thing? Oh, no. Hello? I told you I had a death laser, Brian. But you wouldn't listen, would you? But why would you use your death laser on Jessica Monroe? She wanted to drive a wedge between us. We were just talking. And now you are done talking. But I can't have you killing off guests. It's bad for the show. Look, I can tell you're mad, and I respect that. I do. But you've got to show me a little empathy here. Excuse me? We'll talk this over later when you've calmed down. Calm down? It's fine. It's fine. I'm not even mad anymore. Talk to you later. God, this isn't easy. If you are just joining us, dear listeners, notable coloring book author and friend of the show, Jessica Monroe, was killed today when a jealous satellite burnt her alive with a death laser. She thought I was cute, and she will be dearly missed. Hate to end on a down note, but as they say, there is no real ending, right? Just the place where you stop the story. So let's stop the story on a down note. This is Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley reminding you that to live is to suffer, to survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. Take care of yourselves. NPR Mageddon is written and produced by Peter Podgurski and Brian Keithley. Mixed by the fantastic Amy Reed. And the full cast list can be found at nprmageddon.com. Theme of NPR Mageddon by Society Burning. Have you bought something from us yet? You should. Visit nprmageddon.etsy.com. Let's go to the phones. Hello, this is Dr. Sarcophagi. My goodness. I told you to enjoy your show this evening. That's where I, got, I swear to God I did. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lone person of pigment in my all-white school. Uh, they made it a point to avoid using the word slavery in lieu of the term indentured servitude. Being naive as I was as a child, they, they told me that indentured servitude meant that uh, dentists were really mean to black people with uh, severe old bites. And you know, even to this day, I'll get to a slight shudder every time I see comedian Steve Harvey. Anyway, 
Y'all take care now, you hear? He has the power! Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Mike from Bowman, North Dakota. Look, I just wanted to swear my undying allegiance to new President Skullgore. That dude is badass. Woo! Man, if I were in his world, I would be his friend. I would be his lover. I, I would want to do everything, man. Every freaking thing. You too can reach out and touch us at info at nprmageddon.com or call us at 213-437-9506. Congrats to our own Andrew Bowser for the Sundance premiere of his film, Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. We can't wait to check this one out. Word of mouth is the name of the game. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. Until next time, say no to drugs and thanks for listening. Next time on NP Armageddon. It's President Skogor's birthday, and he wants all of Los Angeles to get in on the festivities, whether they want to or not. I can't wait to see what presents you all will be legally obligated to get me. There's something fishy going on at the Cowabunga Dude Surfing Invitational. Kind of like a shark mixed with an eel and maybe a barracuda. And we sit ringside at the innovative new low-income daycare known as Toddler Fight Club. Normally, children cost a lot of money. Our toddlers will make money through the magic of gambling. Plus, kids' poetry and traffic. Get with the now, Brian! Featuring the voice talents of John Delancey, Harlan Ellison, Jello Biafra, Kelsey Gunn, Gary Phillips, Donna Thorland, Tazon Day, and many others. All this and more in NPR Armageddon Episode 3, Sea Monster Mash!